You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour or so, we will try our best to fit it all in as we unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. What a weekend. March Madness lives up to the hype. The games were fantastic. The storylines are all there. And now we can't wait for the Sweet 16 to begin this week. But we've got lots of reactions, lots of observations. We want to hear from you. What are you convinced of from the weekend in March Madness and in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament? And then how about the NFL? Hey, NFL, can't you just give us a weekend for college basketball? All right, you can't. You got to be involved with everything. So now... We got the Sean going to Cleveland moments ago. Matt Ryan heading to my Indianapolis Colts. That's right. You know I'm on the bandwagon. I'm even more so on the bandwagon now that they've gotten Matt Ryan. What a great trade. Oh, can't wait to talk about that. Tremendous. How about your bracket? Probably busted. Who cares? Let's keep rolling. Let's have fun. Now, we'll give a shout out to some of the people leading in the Unpacking It uh, bracket challenge. So if, if you are doing well, you, you care. But if, you, if, you, if you're not doing well, hey, you throw it away. You embrace the games, and we move forward. Uh, I was riding Murray State. That was kind of my, my, my little sleeper because I, I had Kentucky going down early. But who would have thought St. Peter's would be the one sneaking into the Sweet 16? They're, they are the Cinderella of the weekend. So, so we'll definitely have to talk about them as well. Luke is here. Henry is here. Henry survived the, the hockey rink from last week, so he's back in his studio today, so we're good to go there. I'm wearing my Duke shirt, proud today. A very important win yesterday against Michigan State. It was an impressive win. It looked like it was slipping away. As Coach K said after the game, it looked like the, the, the ship was sinking, but they responded. It was almost like everything clicked for Duke at the end of the game last night against Michigan State. And if that's true, look out, Gonzaga. Look out, because I still think Gonzaga is the team to beat. But but if Duke ended up clicking yesterday, it could mean trouble for Gonzaga in the next round, in the Elite Eight. So uh, that means Duke would have to move past Texas Tech. So we'll see. All right, we are brought to you by MetaShare. My wife and I, we've been MetaShare members for over five years. MetaShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance They've been around more than 25 years, and it is uh, really an affordable and effective way to pay for health care. Go to unpackingit.com slash MetaShare or Medicare, excuse me, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. I'm already losing my, I, I got to catch my breath. I'm going, going hard here to start the show, uh, but it's MetaShare.com slash unpacking it for more information and to find out if they are the right fit for you and your family. All right, Luke. Hello to you. 
It is great to see you. Are you as fired up as I am today? You got to be feeling good about Kansas. Oh, yeah. They move on. They're right there in the mix. That's How you right. Doing? Jayhawks, uh, big win against Creighton. That was a tough Creighton team. Uh, my Texas A&M Aggies uh, won their first two games in the Let NIT. Right so they're right in the there. third the round NIT. of the NIT. No, you get out of here with that. No, I'm glad. I'm happy for him. That's cool. Now, I, I was looking up the NIT, and I had no idea there was something called the CBI, the College Basketball okay. Invitational, which the teams have to buy their way in. If you don't get invited to the NIT, you can pay 50 grand, I believe, to participate. And I think the the reigning champions Pepperdine. So uh, we'll we'll be follow, we'll be we'll be following Yikes. the CBI. Um, Thankfully, but, the NCAA tournament is giving us all we need, and so oh yeah, that's so we are locked in. And I, I know for you, you had some some anniversary uh, festivities this weekend. But I was locked in for four days. I watched <laughs> so much basketball. And I must say, though, as a father of two daughters and a husband, it is a lot to navigate. It is challenging. I almost I feel like I, I deserve a, a trophy or a ring or something to be able to to watch as much basketball as I did. I still got out in the yard, picked some weeds with little Maddie. She helped me with that. Um uh, <laughs> Still, still had you know dinner with the family. It was it was just a wild weekend. Like it, it's still all a blur for me. But somehow I watched it all, yeah. enjoyed the family, went to church, celebrated my cousin's birthday. All of this happened while wow. games are taking place, and uh, I'm, I'm refreshed. I got a good night's sleep, even though I, I stayed up. Thursday night was really the only night that I stayed up. I stayed up late for the games. Otherwise, I watched them the, the morning after uh, on DVR. However, tonight I'm going to have to catch up, or sometime this week, I'm going to have to catch up on the Arizona game last night. I missed that one, and I'm bummed about that because that was an overtime game to beat TCU. So. Have you avoided seeing the final score? No, I, I thought okay, about okay. that, but I, I, yeah, I, I realized you they gotta, won. Yeah, I, you got to watch go it. Watch Great game. So. I was surprised not to see you with a little 5 o'clock shadow. Like you've been trapped. You've trapped yourself in the man cave for 72 straight hours. So you you cleaned up well after all the basketball you watch. And I will say, I'm very impressed. Now, you talked about you put in work the two weeks prior to the tournament. Very which true. Which was huge. And now you yep. are, you're reaping what you have sowed. Uh, yes. A little yes. spiritual analogy there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed, especially given that you just said you did yard work. I did. That was Did that, the fertilizer. You got the fertilizer down. The lime is down. We are set. And still got and, the horseshoe, horseshoes in the back. That's a new, that was a different house. Okay. Yeah, that was my old house. That was my old house. <laughs> so uh, I may have to get that back. We'll, we'll see. Um, so, so anyway, so it was a great weekend, great tournament. And we will, during our unpack this segment, we will talk about just how great this tournament is and relate it to God's faithfulness. That's right. The NCAA tournament, how does that relate to God's faithfulness? We will get to that momentarily. But first, we got to let you know what we're convinced of. And because I watched so much basketball for the last four days, I have a lot that I'm convinced of, but I'm not going to get into all of it in depth. It's going to be high level. We're going to run through. I've got 10 different things I'm convinced of. We'll see what Luke's most intrigued by. And then you as listeners, if you want to hear more about one of these topics in particular, we can do that as we have time today. But here we go. I'm convinced college basketball coaches are extreme micromanagers. And they shouldn't be allowed to call so many timeouts. Why do they have so many timeouts available to them at the end of these games? Let 
let the players play. Let the players play. I'm also convinced, like I've said on this show before, coaches should go back to wearing suits. Bob mm-hmm. McKillop, what a legend. He had a nice-looking suit on, uh, I guess it was Thursday or Friday night. I'm also convinced basketball jerseys should have the name of the player on the back of the jersey. I'm all for humility. Put the names on the back of the jersey. I know it's about the, the, the team on the front. Put the names on the back of the jersey. It's very confusing for us watching. Number four, I'm convinced teams should spend way more time at practice on free throws. You got to be good at free throws if you want to win, win in the NCAA tournament. It's so obvious. It's so clear. You got to hit free throws. I'm also convinced players should never foul out. It's ridiculous to watch top players be in foul trouble or foul out. Keep the guys out on the floor. They can still get fouls and send people to the free throw line, all that kind of thing, but don't foul out. I'm also convinced the team that we all complain about the most is the team you want to be in the NCAA tournament. Remember last year we were complaining about UCLA. They didn't deserve to get in the first four, and then they went to the final four. Now we got Michigan. Luke was whining a week ago about Michigan getting in, and now Michigan's in the Sweet 16. I'm also convinced. I love coaches who build their own programs versus these guys that bounce around from team to team, and you know, eventually you have to land somewhere and really dig down roots. And so the fact that Bob McKillop at Davidson, I know they lost their game, but man, what a legend. Coach K going out at Duke, you know, he built this program. Those, those are the coaches that, that I really respect and love. Uh, number eight, I'm convinced. I still don't know when to say it's a higher seed or a lower seed. I don't Amen. get it. I don't understand it. I bring it up every year. I'm always confused by it. It makes no sense. Who's the higher seed? Who's the lower seed? We like have to use this vernacular, but nobody, nobody's consistent with it. Very yeah. confusing. I'm also convinced it's great to see former NBA players, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, and Greg Oden, a part of college basketball, former mm-hmm. college basketball players for that matter, uh, still based on their career-ending injuries. Their careers were cut short. These guys never lived up to the hype. But to see Penny Hardaway coaching, Memphis, great game against Gonzaga. Grant Hill, kind of the, you know, he's the face of so many things, but, but part of the, the, the main broadcast on, on CBS. And then Greg Oden is assistant coach at Ohio State, even though they lost. And my final, I'm convinced, number 10, I'm convinced it was way less work when only CBS used to broadcast games. And we only had one channel. And now we've expanded to four. But I will take the challenge of flipping between. I had three TVs rolling for for a a lot of the time. So I'm flipping between four channels on three TVs, trying to time the games perfectly. Which game goes on my main TV? Which one goes on the side TV? Which one do I flip back and forth with? Working the mute, working the commercials. It's all worth it. It was was fun and exciting when CBS used to dictate what I had to watch. They, They thought this is the game you're supposed to watch in this moment. Well, now I've taken control of that. And, 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 and in my command station, in my man cave, it was challenging. I sweat a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's all part of the deal, but it was well worth it. So there you go. That's what I'm convinced wow. of on this Monday following the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. I just drank from a fire hydrant there. That was <laughs> remarkable. A lot. A lot. That was remarkable. Wow. Where do I even begin? Uh, I am firmly against you on the suits. Uh, I think that. it, I think that. they look sharp, but my, my lack of desire to dress up is, uh, informing my opinion here. I'm, I have, I've been on record saying the quarter zip is the best garment for men to wear. 
Uh, <laughs> I love wearing quarter zips more than any other garment of clothing. So I'm all for coaches coaching in quarter zips. It's a great look. Bill go. Self looks so good in the KU quarter zip. Half the coaches, I don't even know if they're the player or the coach. Well, like some Tom Nizzo's was interesting. It was a quarter zip with no collar. It was it was like a it was, it was like a semi collar. It was interesting, and then an undershirt. Under, yeah, it was weird. Um, gosh, where well, that, else do I go with this? You can think about that as the show goes on. We can bring some of it up later on if if we need to, and, and listeners can jump in on these things as well. But I want to hear about what you're convinced of. What are you convinced yep. of uh, on this Monday? And listeners, you jump in. What are you convinced of? Uh, where do you agree or disagree with us as well? Yeah, so first, I'm convinced the March Madness app is the greatest app to ever exist. Now, the Bible app is great, so I'll give that number one. But the March Madness app, you log in, and you can just click on each game. It's amazing. When you're on the go, which I was on the go a little bit this weekend, amazing to be able to just pull up a game. Oh, this game's close? Yeah, I'll just click over immediately. So the the March Madness app, whoever created that, deserves uh some type of pension where they never have to work again because it's it's amazing it's just hard to imagine what life used to be like with the tournament and now it's just so different and i'm with it you got to have control i I, i'm i do i by no means want to trust cbs to tell me which game is important to watch especially as a basketball junkie i'm dialed in for every single game now I, i typically favor the second half I'll watch the second halves of games if there's another sure. if there's a first half. That'll be the main screen, obviously. But got to have control. I'm also convinced it does not matter if you spend 10 hours or 10 minutes filling out your bracket. <laughs> it makes no difference whatsoever. Now, this yeah. is anecdotal for me because this year I I spent 10 minutes on my one bracket and I'm one I'm a one bracket guy. The past 5 or 6 years, I've spent hours filling out my bracket. And I've, I've typically do horrendous no matter what I do. So no matter how much time you spend on it, there's no way to predict the madness. It's just nope. luck. So if you're in a group with someone, now I know it's easy for me to say this because I'm not winning any of my groups, <laughs> but if you're in a group and someone's bragging about their ability to fill out a bracket, call them on that because it was complete luck. There's no way, there's no way you can... Pick, you, you can have success in a bracket because you were the smartest. No, you were the no. luckiest. That's Jay, what Billis, Jay Billis had Kentucky in his final four. So to me, Jay, Jay keeps up as much as anybody. Seth Davis, I mean, he gets all of his wrong all the time, um, yeah. year after year. I don't even know how he's doing this year, but every year it seems like he's always he's picking wrong. Yeah. I almost regard his picks because I know he always picks them wrong. Yeah. Um, I have shout out. Hold on. Sorry. I'll give you that in a moment. Speaking of brackets, shout out to our leader in yes. the Unpacking It March Madness Bracket Challenge. After week one, Don in first place with 51 points ahead of Colby by four. So that's a pretty significant lead, I would say, yeah. after, after round one. So they got Colby, Anthony, Zach, and Tar Heel Phil rounding out the top five. So we are, we're giving a prize out for round one. We'll give a prize out after next weekend and then the overall prize. So, uh, so we're having yes. some fun. I guess 75 brackets were entered, uh, I believe. So, um, so pretty cool. So we're, we're having some fun with that. But all yep. right, what else are you convinced of today? I'm also convinced, I don't know what to think about Larry Brown as an assistant for Memphis. <laughs> I'm watching the Memphis-Gonzaga game. And Penny, good coach. 
He, he's done well. He's building a, a program at Memphis. But when we're down to the wire, I can't help but see Larry Brown is on your bench. Why is he not making every decision right now? He is a legend coach. Uh, and as Penny Hardaway, you're the wrong guy, do you friend. not? If, you're as, the wrong guy. If you're Penny Hardaway, and you're you, do you think in the back of his head he's thinking, why am I making any decision here? I've got Larry Brown on the bench. Just let me just, uh, yeah, Larry, yeah. What are we doing here? So I'm, I have this, I have this mental battle thinking, Larry Brown should be making every decision down the stretch. Why is Penny Hardaway doing anything? So I, I don't know what to make about that. To me, it it well, makes it more difficult like- when you have a legend like Larry Brown. I don't know because sometimes it, Penny's the only one in the huddle talking. Like Larry's just sitting on the bench. Well, it's also like at Michigan, yeah. uh, legendary coach Phil Martelli, coach St. Joe's, uh, he's on the bench for Juwan Howard at, at Michigan. So um, another kind of legend, legend there, and and yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. And I, I I look at it at Duke too with John Shire, who's the coach in waiting. How how involved is he in in all the the conversations and stuff? So that that's yeah. fascinating. So the the dynamic of the of the coaching staffs especially during tight games, is, is very intriguing. So that's a good, very. good observation. All right, give me one more. What are you convinced so of? We may get into this later, but I'm convinced we shouldn't be so quick to write off Rick Barnes. And I, I like realize Rick. it's the easy thing right now to say, oh, Rick Barnes, he can't win. Oh, Rick Barnes can't win in the tournament. Oh, he's a failure. Oh, he can never win in the tournament. I think we should pump the brakes a little bit Obviously, that's the easy thing to say, and there is certain evidence against him that seems pretty bad. And I was—I looked it up. He only has one win against a better seed in his career. Oh my goodness! He's won one game against a team that's seeded—I have to say better. I don't know higher or lower. A team seeded. I can't figure it out. So if you yeah, figure it out, let me know. A team seeded better than him. He has one win in his career. Now. And, and that's not great because he's he has. It's not like he's been a one seed every year. For for Coach K, he probably has not very many wins against teams seeded better than him because he's they're always a high seed. True. But in Rick Barnes's career, he's been at multiple schools where he's had middle of the road seeds. But I don't think we should write him off because he's been to a Final Four and he's been to two Elite Eights, and that is. There's not many coaches that can say that. So I realize recency bias at Tennessee, they've had some bad losses. At Texas, there were some bad losses. But the dude has been to a Final Four and two Elite Eights. I don't think we should just say the That's easy thing, oh, career. he can't win in the NCAA tournament, because he has done things that many coaches cannot say they've done. So I think well, it's a more nuanced, nuanced reaction to Tennessee losing again and what we should make of Rick Barnes. Well, I do think there are coaches that are are better in the tournament than they are in the regular season and vice versa. And and I think Rick Barnes is a better regular season coach than a tournament coach for and whatever I, reason. And I think that's fair. Uh, whereas I would, I think Buzz Williams is perhaps a better tournament coach than regular season coach. Yeah. Uh, he's da- dangerous uh, coach in ter- in tournament situations. So I, I think I agree with that. I just don't want to buy into, oh, Rick Barnes can, can't do anything in the tournament. When, hey, he's been to Final Four, two lead eights. That's a big deal. So I don't, I don't want to just, oh, yeah, well, he's been to Final Four and two lead, two lead eights, but what else has he done? What do you mean? 
that's pretty remarkable in your career to do that. And the longevity and, and to be able to, to take teams like Texas, Tennessee, and, and, and have elite teams. To take them when, well, especially when Tennessee was kind of struggling, he, yeah. he brought them back. So after kind of the wake of Bruce Pearl. Um, and how about Auburn getting blown out last night? That was one of the surprises. Not good. Um, for sure. So that was, they had a disappointing season. The SEC was disappointing. The Big Ten, Big Ten very nice. disappointing. So, so maybe we'll get into that in, in just a little bit. Um, but let's jump into Unpack This, where we, we take a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives, the devotional, we call it. Uh, we call it Unpack This. It goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday through email. We talk about it on this podcast each week as well. And so today, I want to talk about how each March, when we tune in to watch the NCAA tournament, other than the one year that we missed it, of course, college basketball fans anticipate seeing tight games, phenomenal scoring performances, surprise upsets, and epic performances. And that's exactly what we got this past weekend. And so witnessing, to me, some of the wild games of the weekend, the the most crazy game, and really one of the craziest games I've ever seen, was Baylor-UNC. It was a remarkable game. It had had everything you wanted. It was was one of those games where as I'm watching it, I zoned out like, oh, man, it might be time to move on because Carolina was up by 25 points. And part of my, you know, navigating the entire weekend is you got to bow out of the blowouts. You can't, you can't waste the time on the blowout. That's when you got to go, you know, pick some weeds outside. So, um, but, but for whatever reason, I kind of stuck around. It was kind of afternoon on Saturday. I think Maddie was still sleeping. So I'm, I'm watching the UNC game. Well, then everything changed and Baylor starts coming back. And, and it was our boy Manic, uh, man, what's his name? Manic. Yeah. Brady Manic. Brady Manic. I had my head weak, on. Kind of a weak ejection. It was, a, it was very weak. The elbow was thrown. Um, and so it changed the whole game, though. And, and Baylor, of course, made the comeback. And so this was a, a wild, crazy game. And to think that Baylor wasn't able to win in overtime, because normally the team that comes back, you have the momentum in overtime. Yeah. And, and that didn't happen. So anyway, that was like the crazy game. So we got we, – we, we always love that in March Madness. We want a crazy game. We got that. The Memphis-Gonzaga game was tight. Two really talented teams going at it. We saw other one-point finishes. Uh, the Michigan State Davidson game was a really good one. Chattanooga, Illinois, Chattanooga was oh, a great yeah. upset. Was my upset pick. They were winning the whole game until about a minute left, and then Illinois, Illinois came back to win. Um, and so, March Madness Week One, it lived up to our expectations. It lived up to the hype, and and then we were also provided multiple overtime games. I mean, we had Creighton, San Diego State last night, Arizona, TCU. We had the unbelievable Cinderella story. I mean, how many people had ever heard of St. Peter's before and they're this year's surprise team knocking off Kentucky, knocking off Murray state. Uh, I'm all in on them. Um, We're going to write Friday's devotional uh, about them and, and and their head coach and his confidence. It's just, it's remarkable. Seeing their gym saw a picture of their gym compared to where Kentucky plays. And it looks like they play in a middle school. Yeah. These are small schools. It's crazy. 3,000 kids go there. It's amazing. So, um, so yeah, so I can't wait to watch them Friday night. They, they, they've been fun. And so bottom line is every year we, we never know how the games are going to play out or what teams will keep advancing. But what we do know is that the tournament always comes through with excitement, overtime games, clutch shots, comebacks, and dramatic moments. And so 
we can't count on our, our individual brackets to be correct or games to turn out exactly the way we expect them to. But the tournament has historically proven itself to be reliable. Every time the ball is tipped to begin another month of madness, we can depend on the tournament delivering great games. And so, you know, despite this being an incredible time for, for March Madness fans, the reality is many of us are, are also starting this week in life with our own quote-unquote busted brackets, right, in our personal lives. And so we might, we might be dealing with a lot of uncertainty, hoping for circumstances to change or, or waiting on, on God to move. And so the encouragement for us today is that God is faithful. And much more than a basketball tournament that we can count on mm -hmm. and that's reliable, our Lord is reliable, he is dependable, and he always delivers. And so we don't know how or when he's going to do it, and, and life probably won't play out how we expected it to, but God and his word can be counted on. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And so every day when we turn to him and follow his ways, he comes through for us by providing strength and grace and mercy and love. Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so throughout history, God has been faithful to his people. So we have every reason to trust him and expect him to deliver on his promises. Again and again, he supplies our needs. He gives us tremendous blessings beyond what we deserve. John 1, 4, uh, 1, 16 in the Amplified says, for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. So as we get ready for the Sweet 16, this weekend, you know, our excitement will build because we know we can count on something amazing to take place this weekend as well. But even more than that, we can depend on God's greatness in our own lives as we tune in to witness his glory shine through while we experience his faithfulness over and over again. So you can unpack that on this Monday. I hope it's encouraging to all of us. God is faithful, reliable, and dependable. So let's cling to him today and each day. Come so on. And how do we know God is faithful? Well, one, how do we know why do we enter every March before the NCAA tournament expecting great things? One, because of our experience. We remember the previous years as a sports fan, the feeling of crazy upsets, the feeling of excitement, the feeling of those first that first week, we are fully immersed in basketball. And... As, a, as sports fans, how do we remember? Why do we expect to encounter an amazing tournament? Is because we read about, oh, remember this upset. Remember, mm. and the past couple of weeks leading up to the show, remember when this team beat this team? Oh, do you remember that crazy game? So we read about these things. It's the same thing in our lives. The Perhaps the two biggest ways that we can trust in God's faithfulness one, our experience especially when we're experiencing a difficult time, we should reflect on our experiences of God's faithfulness in previous times in our life. Oh, remember when God showed up huge then. Remember when God comforted me through this or through that person. Remember how God was faithful here. And 
we can read about God's faithfulness in the Bible. In Scripture, we read, oh, wow, God was so faithful uh, when uh, Israel did this. God was so faithful to send Jesus Christ to be our Redeemer. We read all throughout Scripture God's faithfulness. One of the most um, clear things in the Bible is the faithfulness of God. So it's the same thing. Our experiences and being able to read about past things that have happened allow us to trust a future circumstance. So we know we're entering into the NCAA tournament expecting great things because we've experienced it, and we can read about past tournaments, and we can we know we can step forward in our life expecting God to be faithful because he has for us personally, and we can read about how he has been faithful uh, to countless others in the Bible. So That's right. It's important to remember and reflect in order to trust as we continue to live our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm drawn back to the tournament every year because I, I know what that experience has been. And, and, and that's why I'm drawn back to the Lord when, yeah, every day. I mean, I'm drawn to him because of his faithfulness, his greatness, his, his, his power and his might um, and his grace and his mercy that he continues to provide, continues to deliver on day after day, day after day. So, uh, so there you go. That's our, our encouragement for the week. God is faithful. Uh, so that devotional, actually, I think it already went out today. I was, I was all over it this morning. So, uh, we're, we're good to go on that. Um, we'll have two other devos the rest of the week. I've, I've, Cause I, I've been watching so much basketball. So we'll, we'll have basketball devos. Uh, one will be about St. Peter's and then the other will be about composure. Uh, and, and the fact that a lot of these teams that won, even some of the teams that, that lost but found themselves back in games, like Baylor, for instance, composure was key. And so how does that, that translate into our own lives? So a little, little teaser there. All right, so any other uh, kind of reactions from the weekend, Luke, and, and storylines that, that are most intriguing, uh, other observations? You know, I know for me, over the years, you know, we've seen the change in basketball to the reliance on the three-point shot. And we still saw plenty of threes taken, you know, teams that can hit them. Some of the, especially the, the underdog teams that get hot and hit threes. That's how they stay in these games. That's how they pull the upset. But I must say throughout this tournament, I've been impressed and somewhat surprised by the size. We've seen big men have yes. big impacts on games and offenses running through the big men in more of a traditional sense than even that we see in the NBA. Um, and so I'm you know, kind of a little more old school when it comes to basketball, the inside outside game. I've, I've enjoyed that. I've, I've liked that a lot of the top players, uh, have been big men. Um, some of the big performances have been, um, and then I'll also say this, I'm amazed that when I looked at, you know, top 10 draft picks or the top 25 players in this year's NCAA tournament, the majority of them are gone. They're not, they're not playing this weekend. It's wild that that's that that's the case. Of course, we still have, yeah. we have some. Um, Gonzaga's got some. Duke's got some. Uh, Purdue's got some good players. So, uh, but in in many ways, some of these these guys that we thought maybe they could carry their team, they're already out. So that was that was a little surprising. But what about for you? No, I, I just want to piggyback off what you're saying. It is it is kind of fascinating the impact of post players this tournament. In the past few seasons, I've typically looked at three-point percentage as an informant on, I'm going to kind of go with this team. If I'm on the bubble, or which team shoots the three the best? 
And last year we watched in Baylor Gonzaga, Baylor's perimeter game. They dominated the perimeter. Yeah. And Gonzaga couldn't get back into the game because they're trading twos for threes, and you can't win that way. But this season, Purdue shot 40-something free throws against Texas last night. And they have two dominant big men who Mm -hmm. they were force-feeding. Gonzaga, dominant big men who they're force-feeding. And I'm thinking, wow, Kentucky, the only reason they're in the game is because their big guy, Oscar Shibway, was dominating. So it's kind of crazy. And I feel like I've been watching games and I've been looking at the three-point numbers and they're down. 20%, 25%, 30%. And so maybe it's an outlier. I mean, I haven't, I'm not a statistician, so I don't necessarily know, but the, just watching the games and not necessarily going a deep dive into the stats to your point, it does feel like post players are having tremendous impacts on this tournament. And it's really fun to watch Arizona. They have a really good, inside presence that's huge for him so it is it it feels like a little bit different basketball it's fun it's fun so so yeah yeah. no i just i I think it was i I guess i just wasn't expecting and all of a sudden i'm watching all these games i'm going wow yeah we got some size we got some block shots we got some some good defense you know you know we saw plenty of uh i I heard this term for the first time maybe clark kellogg i think it was clark kellogg the windshield wiper games does that mean Mm. it's just back and forth back and forth i love that i love that so we definitely had that for sure throughout throughout the tournament but uh but also just saw some grinded out grinded out games uh as well so i I do want to ask you is there a team that you're most disappointed is no longer in. Are you a team that you are most excited that you wanted to keep watching that's no longer in the tournament? So, yeah, Chattanooga was that team that I jumped on the bandwagon because they won on the buzzer beater in their conference tournament, and then they were you know, winning the whole game against Illinois to, to fall short. So I was bummed about them. I was also pulling for Murray State because their head coach, Matt McMahon, played at my alma mater, App State, was an assistant coach there. So I was pulling for him. And and I'll, uh, here's another circumstance that we all face throughout the tournament is – you have split uh, rooting interests where you find yourself, wait, who am I going for? I like both, you know, this storyline. So with Murray State, St. Peter's winning, it was almost better. Like it was cool for the tournament. We, we, we got one great Cinderella team, really a, an all-time Cinderella team. Um, yeah. And really, the, the, when you look at this, they're the only real surprise team that, that's in this, like a true out-of-the-blue team, yeah. which yeah. is somewhat surprising that that's the fact. Um, but anyway, so I found myself going back and forth on that one. Even in that UNC Baylor game, of course, as a dookie, you always like to watch UNC lose, but I love Hubert Davis and mm-hmm. Baylor won it last year. So to see them lose. So I was going back and forth in that game. Um, but the one team that I had in my bracket, I had him in the championship game <laughs> was Iowa. What a, what a fool. That's, that's on me. I, I watched them in the big 10 championship. I fell in love with the coaches, kids and, they got like two sets of brothers on the yeah, team. Yeah. I think I, the I whole country fell in love with him. I, the I, whole I, country yeah. did. And, and they, they, they were a letdown. It was a letdown. I think the team for me is Tennessee. And because the conversation they they had a chip on their shoulder because they should have been seated higher, probably, than a three seed. They won the SEC tournament. They had great wins. Auburn, Kentucky. They beat Arizona. A great, great team. 
And it was just disappointing, really disappointing to see them lose. And I've really had to eat my own words because I was outspoken against Michigan and Notre Dame getting into the tournament over <laughs> my Texas A&M Aggies. And of course, both make the Sweet 16. Of course. No, Notre so, Dame didn't make it. Yeah, right? No, Texas. Oh, te- no, sorry, Tech, Tech beat them. So, yeah, yeah. But Notre Dame still wins their first round game. So both get wins. And I'm thinking, well, of, of course that's the case. But I was really looking forward to watch Tennessee play more games because I, I thought they were a legit Final Four team. They had a great resume. And I just wanted to see Rick Barnes do something good with Tennessee because it's been a it's been a, a tough past two NCAA tournaments with early exits. And I just love watching them play because they're tenacious on defense. They've got great talent. They're freshmen uh, who uh, was being consoled by Michigan head coach after the game. Ron Howard. That was yeah, a special which, moment. Special that, moment. Yeah. So apparently he recruited him. He knew him. He, he has a personal relationship yeah. with him. His, his son played with him growing up, and so that was kind of a cool story. Yeah, so I was, I was disappointed. Uh, I do want to comment on your point on we had these mixed desires when watching the games. I find myself rooting against my bracket more times than not. And I guess it's easy to do that when I'm a bottom feeder in all of my bracket challenges. <laughs> but I end up rooting for the underdogs. I want to see, like, like last night. I have Arizona in the championship game against Gonzaga, but I have Gonzaga winning. I was rooting hardcore for TCU watching that game last night. I wanted to see TCU knock off Arizona, advance. But I'm thinking, gosh, Luke, if Arizona loses, you're for sure done. Uh, So why aren't you rooting for Arizona? But I wanted TCU to win. So I I find myself rooting against my predictions pretty, pretty often. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm never good at the bracket, so I don't. I don't really hang on to the bracket so much. But I do go back and forth in regards to wanting upsets because there are certain like just the the top teams. I still want them around at the end. Like I, I have Gonzaga winning it all, but like I want to keep watching them. Like I can throw my bracket away. I still don't want to see Gonzaga upset necessarily. I, I didn't necessarily want Memphis to to beat them. Um, and so I want the, you know, the, the, the elite eight to have some blue blood teams. Like we don't want all upsets, but in the middle Correct. of the game where, where I like comebacks, like comebacks are really fun and, and I love, you know, buzzer beaters. So if a team's going to win it at the buzzer, which we haven't seen yet, we haven't seen a true buzzer beater yet. I'll think, um, so we, no, I don't think we have. So I'm still no. waiting for that. We've seen a couple one point games, but not a true buzzer beater. So in those situations, I don't care who the team is or who even who I'm rooting for. I want the buzzer beater win. I love that. So so I do always always pull for that. Um, I do find myself rooting for coaches a, a lot. You know, what coach do I like better? Because let's face it, a lot of these players we're not familiar with. And thankfully, UCLA has some guys back. Gonzaga has some guys back. Yeah. So I like that they're still in the mix. Duke even has Wendell Moore back, um, even though he hasn't necessarily had a deep uh, and we've right. we've probably we haven't experienced that in a while. Like the sure. it felt like from maybe 2010 to 2017, it was Kentucky was one and dones like crazy. Duke had tons of turnover. Even Kansas had a lot of turnover, and it was it was hard to get 
these to get really good teams running it back with a very similar roster. Gonzaga, yeah. really similar roster. Very similar. Outside of uh, losing Jalen Suggs. And Kispert. But they have Nemhard and Timmy back. Yep. Uh, UCLA has all of their guys back, which is exciting. And I have them in the final four. We shall see. That game against Akron, Akron, however you pronounce it, had me extremely nervous. Akron. Akron. Um, sound like Charles but, Barkley. <laughs> but it is fun to watch these guys run it back. And you know they're – because a guy like Drew Timmy, I guess in the one when one and done was so popular, I guess I didn't see – I questioned, do these guys really care about the NCAA tournament? Like I think of a guy like Jabari Smith for Auburn. He's going to the draft. How much does he care about the NCAA tournament? And he, he probably does. But when you get rosters run it back and they're really good teams and you see their passion, that's really cool. And it's easy to root for that. A guy like Drew Timmy, he wants it bad. In his post-game press conference against Memphis, he was just saying, win or lose, I just want to give it all out here. And if we lose, if we lose but we give our best effort, I'm fine with that. And I... Rooting for him is great because he wants it and he just wants to play ball. I know. So. I'm so disappointed that Duke and Zaga are, are in that same bracket because only one of them will go to the Final Four. But but to I me, know. those are two of the most motivated teams. Of course, you know, Duke wants to win for Coach K, go out on top. Zaga, hungry from from the, really the last couple of years. They've been yeah. building, 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 trying to get that championship. Uh, so I'm trying to think of anybody more motivated than them. I mean, UCLA would be right there in the mix. Um yeah, those are probably the probably the most for sure. Just kind of yeah, you, most, most hungry, needing a win. Who would you win say was the most slept on team that's remaining? I think one of them is obvious. I would say North Carolina is looks really good, and we they were probably undervalued. Maybe maybe not undervalued, but they are probably exceeding expectations. The the most out of the teams remaining well Miami for sure they've had two nice wins yeah. uh they they've been really good and then Villanova although they allowed Ohio State back into it yesterday which was a little little bit surprising they've got the they've got the makings for for a deep run they've got the roster to do it and now with uh with Tennessee out of their way uh they'll have to go up I guess against Michigan so um yeah I could see Nova Nova could get to the final four. That, that could definitely happen. So, all right. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts as a listener. What were your favorite games that you watched this weekend? What were your, how, how did you watch? What were your viewing strategies? How many games did you, did you get in there? Uh, do you watch just the last five minutes? I found that if I watch the first five minutes, it gets me into the game. And then you kind of know what the storylines are, who the key players are. And then if you yeah. drift off for a little while, you know, catch up, catch up, with a game later on in, in its game, um, then you come back to it. You're a little bit more yeah. ready. Versus Something the about game, seeing like, the tip-off. Something yeah. about seeing the tip-off or a kickoff of a game or the first pitch, it, it, it's great. So I, I love to tune in for that and make sure I see that. I agree with you 100%. When you see the very beginning of the game, you feel even more invested than just tuning in for the last five minutes. Yeah, you don't really know. All right, wait, what's, what's going on? It's so fun because you want to see how it, how it ends. But, yeah, you yeah. got to get a little context for sure. Yeah. 
All right. So the other thing that was going on these last few days is the NFL kept sneaking in there. Now, you know, I love the NFL, but I, I also, when it's March, it's March, it's time for the madness. But these were big moves uh, with, with Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland and then the domino effect of that, which now right before the show, we, we heard Matt Ryan was going to Indy and I've wanted him to go somewhere else. I was kind of thinking Pittsburgh, but, but even with, with Indian, I, I guess I never thought Indy would move on from Carson Wentz after one year. Like that seemed a little far-fetched, but they pulled it off and to, to upgrade to Matt Ryan, a guy who's always healthy. He's reliable, former MVP. You know, it was hard for me to ever see Atlanta get over the hump with him. They switch coaches, and then he still always has that one Super Bowl hanging over his head. So to me, he needed that fresh start, and very yeah. similar to the Matthew Stafford situation. I mean, this is this is a good roster in Indy. They've still yeah. got some cap room. They could probably sign a few more people. Yes. Um, and now you get a veteran that you can trust. They got the running game with Jonathan Taylor. This is a, a big move for them. I'm, I'm really and excited about it. They did it with Phillip Rivers, so they know they know how to plug in a veteran quarterback. Because the Phillip Rivers experiment was good. It, it worked, worked out well. It I think worked. it worked out yeah. well. He, he didn't have his um, fastball. He didn't have his fastball anymore. He was no, turning the ball but, over. Whereas Ryan, I think, he hasn't been great, but he's been, I think there he'll thrive. I think he really will. Yeah. No, I think it was a no-brainer. Um I'm excited to see. I always just, I feel like a a little kid when a a team a player switches teams, and I love seeing them how they look in the new in the new uniform, the new helmet. (laughs) I don't know why. I've 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 been fascinated with that since being a kid. I just love seeing players what they look like in different uniforms because it's almost like a different human. It's like, wait, who is that? I only know who this person is in this uniform. So seeing Matt Ryan in a Colts helmet is going to be exciting. And, and you as a Colts fan, I'm sure you're pretty thrilled. Got my hat, I got my hat right there. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is great. Cause I like Matt Ryan. And as a Panthers fan, I've never, I could never fully embrace him. Uh, Cause I, I don't like the Falcons. Maybe my least, eh, probably the saints are my least favorite team, but um, don't like the Falcons. And, and Atlanta is a big rival just in general for our city. Uh, so now to see him out of there, it also opens up the door. Cause now Atlanta's full rebuild. Now they're, they've yeah. they've they've embraced it at this point. They miss out on Deshaun Watson. That was one of the big shockers. That okay, Cleveland going in on him. All right, that makes sense, especially from uh you know they're desperate for a, a quarterback to get them over the hump. I'm not a big Baker Mayfield guy, and even when there were rumblings that he would go to Indy, uh uh-uh, uh, no way. Go to Carolina, <laughs> no way. I don't want him. Um, yeah. love his commercials as we always. It's always our uh. Uh, disclaimer, um, <laughs> but but I, I'm just not a fa- I'm just not a fan of the way he plays and just kind of how he carries himself as a as a, a franchise quarterback. So, uh, but I'm fascinated to see where he goes. He's probably gonna have to be a backup somewhere. I don't. Gosh, to, to can me, you imagine? It's hard it, to imagine him as a backup. It's it's wild. So so what was your response when when Deshaun went to Cleveland? I mean, this so was, I was a big deal. I was reading. Because it was fascinating, he initially said, "I'm not going to Cleveland," and Cleveland was kicked off of the short list. That's right. And then they came back, and I was reading that primarily he was concerned with weather or being in a different location. Because all the other teams were, I mean, Carolina, he played at Clemson. He was a ball boy for the Falcons, so he's familiar with these places. And he, had, I was reading, he 
the one game he played in Cleveland, it was atrocious weather. And he is one of his worst games he ever played. But looking at the Cleveland roster, I don't know. I mean, so much young talent. That's an attractive place for a good quarterback. That Cleveland roster has a, a lot of really good young pieces. And they could really build something there. So it seems like the best place if you want to go win now, Cleveland, based on the teams on a short list. Atlanta, eh. Carolina, I don't. Th- they're not as win now as Cleveland is. Probably, I, unless you think otherwise. You know the team. Well, better. no, I mean Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. They got, they got, and on the defensive end too with Miles Garrett and yeah. a couple other. Yeah. yeah, so it's now I, I'm probably not thrilled to see what he looks like in a Browns uniform. I don't think that generates tremendous excitement. Anyone in a Cleveland helmet or uniform, uh, but it will be fascinating. I don't think I ever had one of the mini helmets for the Cleveland Browns. That that didn't make my short list on on mini football helmets. I needed. Yeah, to it's about as boring boring as it gets. Um, I do have some brown shorts though that are nice. I got brown the orange, shorts or brown orange shorts. shorts. Orange shorts that I wear. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I had a buddy that was like a, an intern with them or something. He got some gear, so I got I got a, a, a pair. But so they're they're uh, the yard work shorts. Yeah, they're my lounge. They're lounge shorts. They're comfy. Okay. They're yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we'll leave it at we'll leave it at that. But let's uh let's jump into the MetaShare moment of the week. And I'm sure everybody has seen this by now, but I want to focus in on the announcer with this. So this was this happened in Portland, the game between Indiana and St. Mary's. St. Mary's had pulled away at this point, and all of a sudden the basketball gets stuck in the hoop. So where do they turn? Andrew Catalan, take it away. Let's get it. Yes, get the cheerleader up. Get her up there. This is how you do it. Give her the mob. No, she's got it. Oh, what a play. The cheerleader saves the day. And that's her one shining moment. So good. This place is oh. on its feet. Oh, I love it. So, you know, there it is, a 16-point game, and the announcer, you know, he's got he's kind of bummed. Yeah. This is not a great game. And then he gets the, he gets that call. He gets that call the in there. The broadcasting I mean, talent for March Madness is just so good. Like it's the, so the good. play the play like Brian Anderson, Eagle, Catalan. It's just too good. Save it. We're doing it for tap drill. We'll bring on Henry and, and do it for do it for tap drill. But as far as the MetaShare moment of the week, the cheerleader saves the day. The, the fact that they thought of it. All right, let's see. How do we get this ball down? This doesn't happen too often, but I'm not sure that I've ever seen the cheerleader in this kind of the way that they did it. So it all worked out very well. And she uh, she was the hero. At least I think that was day one. So I was the hero of day one yeah. uh, of, of the NCAA tournament. So uh we thank MetaShare. They're they're one of our great partners and 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 the official presenting sponsor here at Unpacking It. And so, if you want to check out more information about MetaShare, go to metashare.com slash Unpacking It. That's your MetaShare moment of the week. Great call, Andrew Catalan. So, Henry, why don't you uh, come on here and and let, let's talk a little 
broadcasting and, and some of the other things that took place throughout the NCAA tournament. We got to talk commercials. Uh, we got some other topics to, uh, to get into with Henry. Henry, how was, how was your weekend? What did you make of the first four days of the NCAA tournament? What's going on, guys? Now, I'm convinced, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, I'm convinced that the Thursday, Friday of the first day, not, not the first four, we don't count them, but the first, <laughs> the first full weekend of the NCAA tournament should be a holiday. It has to be a holiday. No going to work. No, 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 no kids, no dropping off Timmy at the bus stop. Timmy can, can be Timmy can be homeschooled today. After what we've been through in uh, in the COVID era, he can get on the computer, not my computer per se, but he can get on the computer and he can do school for those two days. Thursday, Friday, because Saturday and Sunday are automatic sit in front of the sit on the couch in front of the computer weekends. Uh, Thursday, Friday has to be a holiday. There is no greater time in sports than the first two days of March Madness. Yeah, not a lot of work gets done those two days. I've seen some of the numbers over the years of you know the the dip in productivity, but uh, but now with people working from home, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's even even more different. But uh, or we're challenging for bosses, but thankfully we're we're sports fans following Jesus. So I got some good inspiration during the games. You, you heard the Devo today. We got two locked up for the rest of the week. I was working. I was working hard on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> Bryce, when it. Bryce, when aren't you? It. When aren't you working hard, Bryce? Right, that's, that's but good point. <laughs> but we're gonna stay right where you guys were at. And the the announcers of March Madness, because March Madness, as Bryce said earlier, is gone not from one TV station to four different TV stations with the multitude of announcers. Let me know what your guys' favorite March Madness announcement announcer is, or what favorite, or what's your favorite March Madness moment with your favorite announcer. Yeah, so I, Ian Eagle has really become one of my favorite announcers. He's I think so I've mentioned good. it before. He does NBA, he does NFL. He's really emerged as a, an entertaining listen. His excitement level is tremendous. Yes. Um, I always love Kevin Harlan. He, he always calls a great game. I, for some reason, I didn't catch him as often. I, I must not have watched his games as intently the last few days. But I caught Ian Eagle. I caught Brian Anderson with uh, – oh, who was he with? He had a great, he had a great partner. Oh, Jim Jackson. Jim, Jim, yeah, Jackson. Jim Jackson. Jimmy Jackson. Those guys, that, that, was, that was a great really pairing. Um, and, of course, you know, Jim Nance, Grant, Grant Hill's one of my favorite players ever. To, to have him with the legend Bill Raftery and his enthusiasm and, and energy, that's just a really positive booth. A really fun listen. Uh, what about for you, Luke? Well, is there a sport or a, in a, a sports event that benefits more from great announcers, from great play-by-play guys? Yeah, because, they set the tone. Because your point, Ian Eagle, I especially for potential upset, anything remarkable or noteworthy happens in the game. His energy level makes me get so excited. My yes. heart starts racing. I'm thinking oh my gosh, we're about to get an upset. So I, I think these guys impact the viewership perhaps more than any other sporting event I watch. Because for March Madness, it's so exciting. It demands enthusiastic, exciting, 
play-by-play guys who can who add even more excitement. So, and and I again, I thought Brian Anderson was tremendous. I really enjoyed him and Jim Jackson together. Uh, they matched each other's energy really well. Um, so I, I really enjoyed watching him. Well, what did you guys think as far as studio shows go? Uh, what did you what did you think of some of the the current former coaches? You know, you got Frank Martin, you got Bob Huggins. They jumped in on the uh, the the analysis. Did you enjoy those guys? And then I always I always defend every year. I've been doing this for what 10, 11 years defending Charles Barkley. I love that that's the direction that they go for March Madness. It doesn't matter that he doesn't know all the players. He misses he mispronounces names uh, when he gives analysis of what he just saw. It's really good. And and then when they get to goof around and, and it's it's a fun we're watching so much basketball, so many, so many games. It's nice to just go to the halftime show and get some light banter, them goofing around. Clark Kellogg, we love him, friend of the show. Always great insight from him. He's even more loose. Uh Greg Gumble tries to be funny. He's still not funny. They should just keep Ernie in there. I don't know why they take Ernie out. Um, even Wally Zerbiak was okay. He gave a breather to uh to Kenny Smith and Charles throughout the weekend. Yeah. So he was he was solid. It's, it's fascinating. So I was, I found myself a little torn. The basketball purist in me notices quickly. Barkley doesn't know anything about any of these teams. He, (laughs) to your point, he is only reacting to what he watches. His bracket, he doesn't even remember who he picked for games. He doesn't know the players. They literally played a game, pronounced this guy's name. Hilarious. They, they, they're not trying to hide. They're promoting. Like it's. They, I guess mascots. They are night. promoting that Charles Barkley doesn't know anything about these teams. They're not trying to hide it. It's entertaining. Oh, our yeah, one of our one of our booth guys. Yeah, he doesn't watch. He doesn't know much about any of these teams except for Auburn. And we're going to actually promote that because it's so entertaining. So the purist in me is wait, how can that be? But when I actually take a step back and realize to your point. We're watching that for entertainment. We watch the TNT guys for entertainment, not analysis. And it is a good balance because Clark Kellogg knows what he's talking about. Um, We're not watching that show to get bracket breakdowns from Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg. But who would want that anyway? I mean, it's fine for Greenberg. I think part of me me enjoys halftime talking like X's and O's. And that's just probably where you and I – you and I differ in that, though. We do. I'm more, do. I'm more like X's and O's during a game, paying attention to it, talking about it, and you embrace more of the entertainment. Yeah. So I don't knock it. I overall I love Charles Barkley. Just a little part of me inside is like, wait, but he doesn't know anything about these teams. So I have to – overall, I love it, but a little piece of me is uncomfortable. All right. You're, yeah, I mean, there there just aren't enough diehard college basketball fans, especially of no, the I agree. overall sport. Now, of, of individual teams, sure, because I keep, you know, I watch Duke and, and catch most of their games, but um, I'm not watching every play. But you know, the 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 number of just general college basketball fans, what we would fall into is more the casual March Madness fans, and we're watching the games, we're learning as we go, and, and that's the majority. And so Charles Barkley fits that demographic. Um, and it works well. So it's a lot, it's a lot more fun. Um, so I, so I, I love it. And, and they, they've been great 
so far. It was funny. I, I tuned in it. Uh, actually, I was watching on DVR, but I caught the beginning of the official show. They got off to a rough start, and I go, oh, no. They look a little they, – they're just off. They're off their game. It bounced back, though. They, they got yeah. they, they got the, the, the jitters out, and they were rolling from there. So I'll, I'll get I just, those I just have to get over the fact that our college basketball – hey, guys, our college basketball broadcaster doesn't know these teams – and it's almost backwards. I'm like, wait, what? And then it's okay, but this is entertaining, and well, I'm okay with it. I know, but the uh, the alternative is you can you can watch a Phil Sims type guy who has all the answers to everything ever. So you can have that guy for college basketball, but nobody wants that guy. Nobody yeah. wants to listen to him for for three four weeks, whatever it is, for March Madness. <laughs> no, I'm thankful we don't have to deal with that. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, he's sparkly, doesn't pretend. Well, boys, another another aspect that's coming up on uh, that's coming up really big on. Oh, wait a minute. Am I muted? No. Am I good? Okay. Of uh, coming up big on the experience of March Madness is the commercials. How about the commercials during March Madness, especially now that we used to just see uh, we used to just see Baker Mayfield and we just to see uh, uh, the the. um, all of these State Farm commercials. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield. Now, AT&T has gotten in on the, on the act with the commercials. Have you seen lately the, the commercial with uh, Coach Krzyzewski in the interview? And then they're like, yeah. I can only, I can't work for the month. I can't work for the month of March. What do you mean? I love it. It goes on a week-by-week basis. So, boys, if you've noticed any of the commercials, what's your favorite March Madness commercial? I have been very entertained by the commercials and the fact that they've got so many college basketball legends. You know, a lot of guys just th- that are a part of the tournament are in these commercials. I've, I've, I've really liked it. Now, I don't love the let's send it to Lily for, for more. Okay, analysis. I'm glad you brought that up. That. Here we I'm, go. Uh oh. Please, please eliminate that for week two. Like, that was fine <laughs> for maybe the first two games. No, not I'm okay at all. Not okay at all. Hearing Greg Gumbel say, all right, let's send it to Lily, who's in the madness. Okay, no, we're not sending it to Lily. This is a pre-recorded commercial. It's just, it's cringe. It's It's like, they they thought they had something really cool. Hey, let's send it to Lily. No, let's just say, just go to commercial. Please, Um, just go to commercial. My comment I have with these commercials is it's fascinating that they pay all this money to bring on an athlete for two and a half seconds of airtime. Matthew Very Stafford hard. has a three-second role in an AT&T commercial. Why would you do that? If you're bringing on Matthew He's Stafford, LaMelo Ball, a three-second role. For these athletes, it's the easiest money they've ever made. Hey, will you come on and, and say three words, and we'll pay you a ton of money, and that's all you have to do. For them, it's a no-brainer. I mean, AT&T has a ton of money, so I guess it's fine. But it's kind of fascinating to me because the State Farm commercials, Chris Paul has a big role, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, they have bigger roles. I don't like State and Farm it's commercials. it's fine. Baker Mayfield has a big role in his commercials. Stafford just shows up literally for three seconds, and then that's all he ha- that's the whole part he has. So, so I, I thought, I thought Matthew, that was fascinating. But the Matthew Stafford one is so funny. He does the wink. Ah, I love the yeah, writing that, for that. Really yeah. good. I even thought the Joel Embiid one with Dr. J is is clever. Um, uh, the other one I, I didn't like. So the Jason Williams Chris Webber one, that's weird. Like Powerade, 
Those those are not great commercials. Yeah, I didn't um, I didn't I didn't really see the the entertainment value of that one with the with the dapping for like the two minutes. And I was like, yeah, that's not cool. The uh, the, the the yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the Coke commercials, probably because I'm so much Team Dr Pepper. I I have <laughs> I have no room for love for for Coca Cola. It's I haven't had a. Coke it's all right. So Those commercials are all right. I'm intrigued by the the Coke and coffee though. I. That's yeah, not, I, I saw I, that. I saw that, and my wife saw that. I was. She's like, "Huh? Caffeine on top of caffeine? Really? Oof, got people running around like maniacs? I mean, that sounds like an insane idea." But I am intrigued by it. But uh, and then, go ahead, Henry. No, I was about to say the one commercial we all are overlooking: the Capital One commercials with Charles Barkley, Samuel L. Jackson, Larry Bird, and now they've thrown in Sue Bird. They've thrown in Vince Carter. They've thrown in Devin <laughs> they Booker. Are they, they've squeezed that. They've squeezed every last <laughs> drop out of those guys. No. I mean, but, it's unbelievable. But to your point, Bryce, five, ten years. It doesn't matter at all what happens in the commercial. If you just get them all on camera, it's fine. I I I am never less than neutral about those commercials because it's yeah. Charles Barkley. So I agree with you. They're ringing it out. They are yeah. milking those guys dry in regards to their airtime in these commercials, but it still works. So and yeah, how about throwing in Sue Bird in there? Sue Bird walking in like she's the only one that has like an undefeated season. And they can't really, they can't really say nothing to her. They just throw Sue Bird, and they're like, "Well, it's Sue Bird. We can't really say anything." Yeah, it's, so it's Sue Bird. It was uh, there's a lot of funny commercials, and and I thought the uh, the gender reveal one was uh, was funny as well. <laughs> you know, the guy gets moved to the back to the mat, to the back. So uh, so that that was pretty good. But uh, but anyways, we'll we'll wrap things up, and uh, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap up with a couple NFL topics because. The other uh, big trade from the weekend was Devontae Adams, and he gets traded to the Raiders with Derek Carr. So I was not jumping on the Broncos bandwagon. I find myself now kind of jumping on the Raiders bandwagon a little bit because I'm intrigued by this uh, duo with with Devontae and and Derek Carr, his former college teammates, and now he's in the the NFL. We don't always get to see that. So that's what we saw with Burrow and Chase. So uh, so to to, to try to copy that a little bit is is cool. To me – I don't know why, because all the conversation seems to me, oh, yeah, Raiders got to move on from Derek Carr. Why? Now he has, uh, I'm drawing a blank on their best receiver's name. Played at Clemson. Slot receiver. Hunter Renfro. What's his name? Renfro. Renfro, Waller, and now Adams? That's an elite pass-catching crew. And I like Derek Carr. I think he's awesome. One, he's an awesome guy. But I think he's a really good player. And I think last year he showed it. And I say give him another chance. Because he was going to be in the playoffs, but then broke his ankle. So he didn't get to play in the playoffs the year before last. And so I I think I'm rooting for the Raiders because they're they're not giving getting any airtime. Because that division is so loaded. We're riding off the Raiders. But I, I would love to see the Raiders come out of nowhere and and beat up on the teams in that division yeah uh, with with uh, josh mcdaniels getting another shot at head coach it's very intriguing so that offense more intrigue to that could be that, awesome with yeah. josh jacobs too oh my goodness man you get excited about josh jacobs wow that was a that was a surprise excitement for him oh, well, 
I mean, in the good. context of I forgot good. they also have him. Not yeah. that, oh, wow, Josh Jacobs. But <laughs> You got really true. excited about Josh Jacobs. <laughs> I did. I did. And not to, not to mention, with Matt Ryan on the move, now we have a hole in the Atlanta Falcons quarterback room. What's going to go on with that? And now the guy that we thought was going to start this whole domino effect with the quarterback carousel, Jimmy Garoppolo, He's almost without a seat now in this musical chairs. What's going to happen to him? And what's going to happen to Baker Mayfield now he's left at the altar? Well, can anyone can can we send any more players to the AFC? Like how <laughs> many players are going to be in the AFC now? Now that Deshaun is in the AFC, I think it, they're going to explode. The NFC is the Sahara Desert. It is so dry. All the talent has left the conference. So it's just so fascinating how unbelievably loaded. I, I like, has there ever been a more talented, more talented quarterbacks in one conference? It is Maybe not. it is unbelievable. But I, th- I do think Atlanta could go get Baker Mayfield. That would that would be fine. A little stopgap. Now their head coach Arthur Smith coached Ryan Tannehill, who got kind of revitalized. Uh, he was an office coordinator, but uh, of course Tannehill revitalized his career out of the Dolphins to the Titans. So that's a possibility. And then apparently Jameis Winston has re-signed with New Orleans. So so they solved that that problem yeah. there. And Taysom Hill, they signed him last year to a big contract, I think. So we'll keep we'll keep him in the mix too. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if if Jameis can have the same success with no Sean Payton. I Jameis, yeah, I think he's had a this, lot of coaches. I think the Saints would have been dangerous if Jameis would have not gotten hurt. Because they were off to a good start. He played well. Sean Payton is a quarterback whisperer. So it'll be interesting to see what Jameis is like this year with no Sean. So I don't think Jimmy G gets traded in in the offseason. I think he makes it to camp and him and Trey Lance. And if Trey Lance is officially ready, then they'll trade Jimmy G to whatever team loses their quarterback early, whether in training camp or or in the season, because it happens every year. So someone will go down. We don't know who it's going to be. And then that team will get Jimmy G. That would be my guess. So, no. who do you think's more likely? Well, do you, so do you, do you think Jimmy G's a backup or a starter? Well, I, I think I guess I'll I'll say who, I think Trey Lance beats him out. Who and do you then think's the, more the likely role. to be a backup on another team, Baker or Jimmy G? Oh, um, I think Baker's more likely to be a backup. Jimmy G's proven he can win. So if you're a good, good team point. and and your quarterback goes down, even if it's just for six weeks and you can bring him in midway through the season, you absolutely do that. If you've got a Super Bowl-caliber team, he can, he can win you some games. Um, yeah. Or not not even win. He can, you can win with him. <laughs> like He's not going to prevent yes. you from winning games. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk, talk NFL again as uh, the draft is, is coming up and, and plenty more movement will take place, some more dominoes uh, ahead of us. But, uh, but, Henry, appreciate you. Luke, thanks, man. Enjoy the Sweet 16. We'll talk about it next Monday. We'll have the Elite Eight over the weekend. Woo! Congrats to uh, Don, who's, who's leading our bracket challenge. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that moving forward as well. Uh, we got some great guest interviews scheduled for the Unpacking It podcast. So keep, keep, uh, make sure you subscribe, listen to those. Uh, we got some really good stuff. So excited about uh, what's to come with that as well. Uh, also, if you haven't subscribed to the Unpack This devotional, uh, you can do so, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. All right. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. 
I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.